0: Thank you for checking out the Missio Day Humble Park podcast and joining us as we join God as He makes all things new. We are excited to pursue His heart for the greatest city on earth in the center of the city. So, we're going into a little, a small, a mini series. That is um, called Chicago Healed. And so we're, I'm gonna be taking different aspects of negative things that Chicago is known for and um, show how scripture counteracts those and how we are called to counteract those. That we would imagine that all the things are going on in our city that they would be healed. So corruption, violence, um, division. And then there's uh, corruption, violence, division, and there's one more. It's bad, but <laughs> but today we're going to be talking about corruption that in this city that you know is known as such. Everybody here loves this city so much, and you go other places and go, "Oh man, I heard about Chicago." Would you guys get another alderman indicted? Yes, yes, we did. Another alderman was indicted, and maybe a governor, and you know. <laughs> These things that is, I uh, hear the last great American city. So it has all the great American problems really jumbled into one thing. And so sometimes we go out and travel other places and we're a little ashamed. Of, we're from Chicago. But our, few, our food is amazing, though. No. <laughs> we may have a little bit of, um, of things going on, but our food is amazing. And so what I feel like is the best way to counteract some of these uh, negative things that our city is known for is to think about the, the blessed nature of the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are these blessed phrases that Jesus says, and he's upon a mountain. And you imagine Jesus is teaching on this mountain. And in the Old Testament, the, uh, Moses had to ascend the mountain to meet with God. In the New Testament, Jesus ascended the mountain to teach. And he gave a whole different law. It's about who you are. The Beatitudes. The law was all about what you shouldn't do. Thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. The problem with thou shalt not is it doesn't tell you what you should do. It just tells you what you shouldn't. But Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. So we're gonna see how these blessed sayings counteract exactly what goes on in our city But what happens in our city is really what dwells in the heart of men and women and all of us. That sometimes things that really show who we are, we hate the most. We don't like to look in the mirror and see ourselves sometimes. That corruption is is something that we don't like to grapple with we don't like to grapple with our mismanagement of our godlike image that you have the missio day but you also have the amago day which is the picture the reflection of god that each and every one of us are and when we engage in something that we can think of as being sin or we can think of you know less than than we are tarnishing the very image of God that is inside of us. The the opportunity or the pursuit of not sinning is not because it's a bad thing. I think we just start to see who we really are and we see who Jesus died for each and every one of us, that beauty that's trapped inside of each and every one of our hearts that is trying to get out. Our heart needs a home. Somebody asked me today, they said, can you explain the gospel to me in a very simple term? I said, your heart needs a home. Your heart needs a home? Your home is with God. That's the only place our heart can go, is to be with God. But corruption is about our heart looking for other places to find home, looking for things that will never satisfy And Ecclesiastes is explained as chasing after the wind. We run after the wind or attempt to fill ourselves with things that will never satisfy. I used to be a pretty big weed smoker, you know what I'm saying? Before it was legal. Now it's legal, everybody just smokes weed, it's awesome, you know what I'm saying, I guess? Uh, (laughs) But I ask people, the question that I have for weed smokers is like, does it still make you paranoid? Because it's legal now. Because, <laughs> you know, when it was illegal, that would make you paranoid. Oh, the police are coming in. Too. But it's legal now. I don't know. But uh, it's like even engaging in something like that, it is attempting to fill an empty space with something that will not work. That will not fill us up. I looked at the second that is mirror thing. I don't know what's going on. I looked at the, uh, the second um, definition for corruption, and listen to this. It is the process by which something, typically a word or expression, it's changed from its original use or meaning to one that is regarded as erroneous or debased. A word or expression changed from its original use or meaning to one that is regarded as erroneous or debased. The whole reason Jesus came to earth is to save us from this corruptive living. That we would think that maybe my pursuit, my ambition, my pride, this is what I should be pursuing when the only thing we should be pursuing is Jesus. And that if what we pursue doesn't come from our pursuit of Jesus, we're probably going to end up down a road that we shouldn't be on. I'm sorry, people are not good pursuits. Jobs are not good pursuits. um, Accolades are not good pursuits. Wealth are not good pursuits. Jesus is who we should be pursuing and then the things that come out of that are ones that give life. I believe a lot of these things that we desire in life can be pretty innocuous. Even money, money is not a, um, a evil thing. It says, it's the, it says in, in Matthew, it's the love of money that is the root of evil. And I think that as, as people, we can desire things and, and pursue things, and it's a mere chasing after the wind. I've done it before. You're like, I need to get in that room with those people. And you get in the room with those people, you're like, what was I chasing? They, they're all human too, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm chasing this, this If I, God, if I just get this promotion, you know what I'm saying? Then everything will be fine. You get it and you're like, it's the wind. We're, we're just like grasping at the wind. And grasping at these things that can never fulfill and our determination to do that is what turns our heart in an erroneous direction thereby goes our generosity because we're in competition with people thereby goes our patience because we're anxious about the pursuit of the thing thereby goes all the things that we need to live a peaceful deliberate loving existence on this earth and then you know further down the road there is no action that you won't take in pursuit of that win. I don't care if I gotta like cover up tax things I don't care if I gotta whatever I have to do to pursue that in John, or in Matthew 5 and 8, in the blessed sayings, the Beatitudes, how we are supposed to be. It says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Woo-wee! Come on, all the nice people say amen. <laughs> blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God it doesn't really make a lot of sense. It's like my heart is pure so I can see God. Well, we can only see what we are focused on normally. That our the purity of our heart determines that we can see God doing what he's doing in the places that he's doing things. That we're not just um, convinced We're not just convinced by the image of something. You ever know in the city, you know what I'm saying, how we like, and I'm talking about this sometimes, we see people as believers and we go, oh man, they got, or not even as, we just see people out and about, you know what I'm saying, Lincoln Park, they got the $15,000 stroller, you know what I mean? And It's like they got the nice car and they got the several million dollar house. You like, man, they have gotta be very happy. I mean, they, they have everything. If you don't have Jesus, it is a chasing after the wind. And I've seen that happen this week where I meet with someone and they, on the surface, they have everything. They have good looks. They have money. They have all of that stuff. Intensely unhappy. Why? Because they've been isolated in their home since the beginning of the pandemic, working from home. And that we see these trappings. That's how we know our heart is still not pure. And I, I fall victim to the same thing. Well, I'm like, oh, they got, they got bread. They must be happy. Eh? Blessed are the pure in heart so we shall see God. Our heart of corruption will see something and we'll call it blessed. When it may be just a chasing after the wind. Like, dang, that's what, that's what blessing looks like. You know, when's the last time that you saw a movie or a show or, you know, heard a, a news story and they were like, here's this person. They're awesome. They have the purest heart. <laughs> Doesn't that, it's not what we admire in people. Maybe some of us do, but it's not what's Instagrammable. I've got a pure heart. Look at it. <laughs> you can't see it, but it's awesome. that our desires are are tempered because we think purity is just not good enough. We think like the pursuit of Jesus and the pursuit of his kingdom is just, God is not gonna show up, he's not gonna satisfy, he's not gonna fill us. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. To me that goes with, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. How much faithfulness does it take to turn the other cheek when it seems like the wicked are prospering I had a dream once and in this dream I was in a church right and it was like the wild west saloons and you know cowboys with guns and stuff like that and then I I go out of the saloon step on the street and it's in the modern day sometimes the church feels like that that we're just decades, centuries behind with our archaic notions of morality and our archaic notions of purity and holiness and pursuit of Jesus. There's got to be something else in addition to that, and I'm telling you, there is not. Besides the pursuit of Jesus, all this stuff will be when, but I can't tell you how long it's going to take your full-thrown pursuit before you believe that and understand that it's when. Some lessons are more expensive than others. Some things are more enticing than others. This is from our corrupt, dark heart that just just needs to find our way by things. One of my favorite verses, probably easily top five. Keep your heart with all diligence for all out of it, spring the issues of life. In the NIV, it says, keep diligent watch over your heart because from it spring all of the issues of life. Understanding that when our heart is starting to go in a certain direction or there have been things that are planted and are growing out, how do we pluck those? You know what I'm saying? If anybody has ever had a garden, you know you got to get out there and get on the weeds. You you'll, It'll be a few days and it's like a jungle back there. You're like, what the now imagine your heart. We go years and years and years with things in our heart. And then they grow up to a plant that chokes us and we don't realize it. We don't know how we got to that point. We don't know how we got on a far road. At this discipleship, it does take discipline to look into who God has called us to be. This pure, this pure heart that wants nothing but Jesus. I offended my son this week by telling him that I love his mother more than him. <laughs> he was like, what, what? We're your children. We're like your flesh and blood. I'm like, So what? <laughs> your mother was here before you, and she will be here after you. You are, you know what I'm saying? There is a hierarchy. You know, Jesus is number one. My wife is number two. Kids are number three. And everybody else is after that. You got to keep that order. You know what I'm saying? Because I'll get it twisted and I'll be running to save the world and minister to everybody. And my family ain't seen me. They don't know who I am. That it's important that we love Jesus with all of our hearts and so how does that work on this earth if I got a hierarchy you just said it's something about lists. it's crazy man you just said you got a list but what happens is I get to love the world through my love for Jesus I get to love my wife through my love for Jesus I get to love you all through the love for Jesus that's why it's necessary that I'm closest to him and a, and a heart that is bent on corruption seeks distance from Jesus Oh, man. You're going to ask me about that one thing if I get in your presence, God. I already know. So I'm just going to avoid your presence. And then my anxiety is going to skyrocket. And I'm going to be upset. And I'm going to begin this loop, 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 loop of staying by myself. Because nobody understands me. And nobody cares. And God is like, just drop all that crap so you can come to me. I just want you. I don't care about any of the stuff. I don't even care how you got here. I don't care if you got here by being um, at rock bottom. I'm just glad you're here. Prodigal son. We think through all the stuff that he did wrong, not the fact that he was courageous enough to go home. Keeping watch with our hearts and knowing that we shall be filled when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. We hunger and thirst for this earth to be empty of corruption. We hunger and thirst for Chicago to be known as a city on a hill. We hunger and thirst for there to be no division. The street. We hunger and thirst to know that it won't be like, oh, what neighborhood you live in? Oh, no, what race are you? I already know what neighborhood you live in. Yep. I know where you live. It's pretty easy. I used to drive Uber. You could tell where people were going by their name. One day our city won't be like that. But us as believers, it takes us to walk in this heart of of purity. We can't, like, get in there in the race with everyone and be set apart. That we have to understand that a pure heart is more than enough for God to change this world with us. Of generosity. I'm not going to read it. You can read it later. It's the story of David and Abigail. David, of course, was anointed king Yes, David, you are king. Wow. Okay, let me walk into my throne. No, no, not quite yet. You got 17 years of wandering before that ever happens. You got 17 years as a hunted vagabond before you ever walk into your kingdom as king of Israel and Judah. But in the process, he was, you know, hanging out in the field outside of this guy named Nabal, Abigail's husband's place. He was having a time of shearing sheep. Now, David was hungry, and all this men were hungry because they didn't have a home, but they were out there protecting the shepherds. So they said, hey, he's shearing sheep. It's almost like a harvest, but for someone with animals. And he has all this money, and it's, you know, they're drinking, it's merry, let's go ask for something. So he goes there and asks for something. Nabal essentially says, F you. <laughs> David is like, do you know how many people I've killed? <laughs> So his servants come back and tell him that he said, F you. And so David is like, all right, man, get your Uzi's, you know what I'm saying? Get your uh, machine. We're going to go take this dude out. They're on the way to do that. And the balls very wise wife is like, no, don't do that. Don't go. I know who you are. Your reputation has preceded you. Here's some food, because I know you're hungry, hangry, obviously. Here's some food, and don't kill everyone in our family. David's like, all right, but you got to talk to this dude. And eventually, Nabal just falls down and dies. And David marries Abigail. It's interesting, this story, thinking about Nabal as a man of ambition, as a man whose heart was chasing after all of those things, but he forgot the simple ways that you're supposed to walk in life, which is one is generous generosity. And even in his wealth, he could not be generous to someone who had protected even his flock. And David was known as a man after God's own heart, walking with his pure heart, although he didn't always make the right decisions, that his heart was one that was after the Lord to pursue God in every way imaginable. And here's um, Nabal standing in the way of even giving him food because his heart is like, I am the ambitious one. I am the wealthy one. Why would I give anything away? Our generosity is choked by corruption because we can't let anybody get a leg up on us. And if I give you something, that means you have leverage over me. Anybody ever think about that? The relational leverage that goes on in life? When, if you're married, it's easier to understand how that works. <laughs> I did this for you, that means I have the leverage now, okay? So you've got to give me a back massage, you've got to do all this, and it's my birthday, so you yeah. <laughs> know. Who has the leverage? And I'm talking to my son about this, and I'm like, we don't have a choice. As believers, we always give up the leverage. That's who we are. That's what we do. We give up the leverage and let God in our pure heart pursuing him fill us because we are righteously not grasping for something outside of the right time. How am I corrupt? You know, God won't put anything on you. He won't put more on you than you can handle. That is a false statement and not in the Bible. <laughs> but we love saying it like it's some kind of wives tale some euphemism. No. Okay, maybe God won't do that. But we will put more on ourselves than we can handle. Say yes to 50 million people and then go, what in the heck did I do? How, how is that supposed to work? Imagine a heart that is fully for showing people the same generosity and grace that God has shown us. Imagine that. Not seeking our own own ambitions, but constantly letting people go first. Somebody asks me to go a mile, I go two miles with them. I can't live that way. I'll just be a doormat. Not according to scripture. And only if you lose your life will you gain it. Blessed are the pure in heart for you shall see God. Um. always want to be around, love, you know, people in community, those people with the tender hearts. You know what I'm saying? People that cry easy, people that, you know, it's like the, God loves a-holes too, you know what I'm saying? But I'm sorry, it's just, it's, I've just had too much experience in my life where I'm like, you know, God is going to redeem them, and it's like, oh, I don't know. I don't know about this time, God, (laughs) Um, but just the the tender hearted people that may may hurt you, but it is not going to be intentional. That it's not that kind of heart to move you out of the way, that there's this idea of scarcity, that there's not enough for everyone on earth. But that is not true, there's plenty for everyone. You guys wanna stand up?